Hello, welcome to Conference in Review. I'm Dana. And I'm Derek. Today's podcast, we're going to talk about the atonement of Jesus Christ and the two things. The first thing that we think of as obviously the atonement covers um, the full price for us to return to Heavenly Father. And so Jesus paid that price because we could not do it ourselves. Um, the, the other thing that I want to talk about with the atonement is something that I never really thought of um, until I read Elizabeth Smart's book when she was uh, the first one she put out years ago when she was kidnapped. And it's about the healing power of the atonement because Christ knows how we feel. So to discuss these talk or to discuss this topic, we looked at two talks, and one of them is by Elder Paul V. Johnson of the Presidency of the Seventy, and it's called "Be Perfected in Him." And the other is "Beauty for Ashes: The Healing Path of Forgiveness" by Sister Kristen M. Yee, Second Counselor in the Relief Society Pres- General Presidency. And let's start off with Elder Johnson. He starts out with the story of his grandsons, Aaron and Maxwell, and uh, the issues that that Aaron had is with uh, he started having health problems, and as they went in and had him tested, he had a problem with bone marrow. Um, It's called severe aplastic anemia, which means that your red blood cells, your white blood cells, and your platelets, uh, they stop producing. Eventually, you can't fight infection. Everything becomes life-threatening. Minor things become very bad. And the way to cure this is that you find a donor that's compatible and get a bone marrow transplant. And if they're an ideal match, uh, it could be life-saving. And so all the brothers, I guess their four younger brothers, were tested in Maxwell was the perfect match even as a perfect match it's a serious risk and it involves aaron having his diseased bone marrow completely destroyed through chemotherapy it's gnarly yeah so he has to have chemotherapy and then they take maxwell's bone marrow and replace aaron's bone marrow and then see if it takes and so it's interesting because he describes it that the physiology of Aaron's body changes because if how does he say it if if, if Aaron, Aaron commits, commits a crime, crime and they test the his DNA. blood yeah. his D, the DNA of his blood they could arrest Maxwell because it's the same because uh, Aaron is literally will have the same platelets and blood cells as Maxwell. So he says Aaron, being saved by his brother's blood, has spurred many thoughts about the atoning blood of Jesus Christ. And most of the rest of his talk goes on uh, to kind of compare this story to what Jesus Christ has done for us. The next paragraph actually is one that really kind of really is meat, full of meat for me. Especially when he says Aaron could not do it himself. It doesn't matter. He can't, his body couldn't make the blood cells he needed. No matter what he did, he could not heal his bone marrow. 
And just as Aaron could not cure himself, we can't save ourselves. Now I'm quoting, No matter how capable, educated, brilliant, or strong we are, we cannot cleanse ourselves from our sins, change our bodies to an, an immortal state, or exalt ourselves. It is only possible through the Savior Jesus Christ and his infinite atonement. Alma's people in Zarahemla, how he says, It wasn't the people who changed their own hearts. The Lord performed the actual change. And a lot of times when people people find Jesus, you know, you don't find Jesus until your heart is softened enough to accept him. And that brought me to a story that happened to me before I met Derek when my daughter Ruby was just little. She couldn't have been more than four or five years old. And she had a little cavity in her little baby tooth back there. She's five. Yeah, she was probably a baby tooth. And they wanted to drill on it. And it was really shallow. They did not even have to give her a shot. All they had to do is drill in there. And well, my little Ruby has always been a very passionate little girl, as you well know, Derek. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She would not open her mouth for anything. And the dentist's like, there's nothing I can do. If she does not open her mouth, I can't perform. Do you want to talk to her? Do you want to bring her back? What do you, we could maybe give her some, well, we did it. They did have the little laughing gas that you breathe and it was scented and everything. And um, I was able to talk to her before and she finally opened her mouth. And I was thinking of that's how these people are of Alma. They didn't do the changing, you know, it was the Lord who changed them. She couldn't do the work on her own mouth. She couldn't fix her, her, I don't even think a dentist can do their own dental work. You have to have someone else do it because it's just like a doctor, unless, I mean, there was master and commander where he did the operation himself. Uh. <laughs> but, you know, that's... If you want to have anesthesia, and yeah, you, you can't do it. And so you need someone else to do that for you. And your responsibility is, in her case, just just relax, open your mouth, and let the dentist do his work. And I think of, of Christ as being the dentist, that he can't do his work. He's there to fix fix that tooth that hurts really bad. If you will just open your mouth and let him do the job. He talks about being perfect as well. He says, uh, we are made perfect through Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, who wrought out this perfect atonement through the shedding of his own blood. Our perfection is only possible through God's grace. Um, he says, you know, that we need to try and be perfect, but it's through Christ that we're able to do that. It's not, we, we could read all the, self-help books in the world and we're not going to make it but christ makes it possible for us to get there through his grace we just have to do our best and the atonement of christ lifts us and helps us get where we need to be can you imagine how overwhelming it would have been for our young grandson aaron to assume he had to understand and perform all the medical procedures associated with the transplant himself no, I can't. <laughs> that uh-huh. would be just, just, he's a boy. It gets ridiculous, you know? Yeah. And of course, the Savior stepped in there for us to give us that chance. He quotes Moroni, Yea, come unto Christ and be perfected in him. And if you shall deny yourselves of all ungodliness and love God with all your might, mind, and strength, then is his grace sufficient for you that by his grace 
you may be perfect in Christ. And that's yeah. Moroni 10.32. That's right at the end of the Book of Mormon. I love how he says his grace is sufficient for me. It's sufficient for you. It's sufficient for all who labor and are heavy laden. Yeah. And he's saying how there's always some uncertainty and um, he had to get, there were complications. He had to do it twice. But if with the spiritual change of heart, we don't have to wonder if it will happen. And I think again, back to the the dentist, um, sometimes you have that aching tooth and like having to get back on, you have the pain of getting a shot. Yeah. But yet the shot numbs everything and then you don't feel it. So that initial shot hurts. Yes. (laughs) And they're not fun, especially if you have a dentist who's not very good at them. I had, he, he, when I first moved out here to Utah, it was like 2008. He's retired now. I don't even know if he's still alive, but he was the best dentist that I would recommend him every time the kids needed shots. I'm like, they're going to go see him. There is a 100% guarantee of being cleansed by the Savior's blood and eventually being perfected in him. He is a God of truth and cannot lie. And, of course, the process takes time. It's and like it happened with Aaron. Yeah. He was healed, and his family was very excited. And the same process can happen with us if we, if we make that choice to follow Jesus Christ. So that's obviously the the main part of the atonement of what I've been taught my whole life. Well, one day when I was so my niece, I think she was a I think she was a teenager at the time. She had bought the Elizabeth Smart book and she had just it had just come out, so I don't know what year that was, 2008, 2009, I don't know. And it was sitting there and I started reading it. And the first, like the very first chapter, she talks about, she always thought of your virtue as being like a vase. And you knock, someone else knocks over the vase and it gets broken in a million pieces and you can't put it back together. And maybe you can, but there will always be cracks. And she thought that after she came back and and had been um, sexually abused by that man that kidnapped her, that was her. It was like, okay, I'm damaged. And she learned that that wasn't true. The atonement makes it ex- as good as new, exactly like it was. Yeah. And that's something that we don't understand often. Yeah. And that's not what we, that even if you were the one, no fault of your own, you were hurt, you were damaged, that the Savior's atonement makes it better. Yeah. And I remember reading that and thinking, I never thought of that before. Mm. This talk goes perfectly with that, and it's called Beauty for Ashes, The Healing Path of Forgiveness by Sister Kristen M. Yee. Now, I'm, I'm going to skip over the story of Abigail and Nabal. So if you want to know more about this, this story, it is in the book of Samuel. Am I right or am I wrong? Yeah, it's 1 Samuel. Yeah, 1 Samuel, if you want to know that story. And spoiler alert, Abigail eventually does marry David when her husband dies. I think he was impressed with her for taking on her husband's bad attitude and, and making it up for, for him. So on in Gethsemane and on the cross, he, Jesus, claimed these sins, our sins, the sins of those who offend us. He made a way for us to let go of a vengeful heart. That way is through forgiving, which can be one of the most difficult things we ever do 
and one of the most divine things we ever experience. If you saw our YouTube from last week, now this didn't make it on the podcast, but on the YouTube, and we were talking about Joseph Smith being betrayed, I put a little story on there, and I made a little short also mm. about W.W. Phelps, how he he gave testimony against, he was one of the people who gave testimony against Joseph Smith. I think another one might have been Simon's writer. I think he was actually in a mob once. His testimony led to the extermination order. Saints had to leave Missouri right in the middle of the winter on the frozen eye. The, the river was frozen. Um, Hansville massacre. So people died there. Um, Joseph Smith and I think there were five of them. I don't remember off all the top of my head. They were yeah, all in prison. So. Yeah. And keep in mind, one thing I was thinking of when I was researching it is that there was no fire in the prison. You know, you, they, there was no right. furnace or anything. Right. There's a little window there. Right. So first of all, there's a little window with no glass. Yeah. And there's there's if there's a fireplace, it's upstairs. And if you know basic science, you know that heat rises. It doesn't fall. And they were imprisoned in the winter. For three months in the winter, what is like November to April or something like that? Yeah, four and a half months. Four and a half months. Yeah. Yeah. So it was not a pleasant experience. Sidney Rigdon was really sick. They eventually let him go, but yeah, it was it was awful. They had to do their business in a bucket that would get up, go up and down, and yeah, you imagine it's just disgusting and horrible. <laughs> and yeah. Very little, and that was because a friend turned on him. And when he later on learned about all the bad stuff that happened, he, he felt guilty and he apologized and he wanted to make things right. And that's a hard thing to forgive. I think it took the atonement of Christ to help these men forgive him yeah, for, for that. Sure. That was a rough, rough stretch. Yeah. And as, as uh, Russell M. Nelson said in her quote here, in her talk, she quotes him, it is usually easy to forgive one who sincerely and humbly seeks your forgiveness, which W.W. Phelps did. It was humble. So he's saying it's easy, and it is easier. But think about, but the Savior will grant you the ability to forgive anyone who has mistreated you in any way, then their hurtful acts can no longer canker your soul. And I think of one example we have in Jesus who forgave people as he's hanging on the cross. They nail him like the most you know they scientifically they have people sitting around trying to come up with ways to make the death as painful and excruciating and horrible as possible so one thing i wanted to yeah. talk about uh with that is uh my mission president's wife uh, gave us a talk that i've always remembered about that that the importance of, of forgiving others that that not forgiving can canker our soul. That anger and that hatred really only damages us because the other person may not even realize that it's affecting us like this. And so our anger towards them eats at us and creates this damage inside of us as long as we hold it. And we're really only doing damage to ourselves. Yeah. And when we can release that and get it, it's like taking a bag of rocks and uh, taking it off and we're released and we no longer have that baggage that we're carrying around with us. It's 
causing us pain and damage. And so it, it really is healing to release that and not hold on to it. I remember when I started at BYU, my parents decided to save money and have me go live in a house off campus near my brother, who is eight years older than me. And everyone in that ward was way older than me. And one of his roommates showed an interest in me, and I was very flattered. He did things like he would ask me on a date, then not show up, and just just kind of things that weren't great. And I was really mad. Well, he started dating a girl right after me, and he treated her totally different. He was he was wonderful to her, and I was very bitter. And they ended up getting married, and I just remember just being bogged down in bitterness for uh, I don't know. Not a full year, but it was. It felt like a long time. I, I had to learn that sometimes to let go of things, you're not going to get an apology. You're going to just have to let it go, give it to the Savior, and move on. And it took some time because for a while I would, every time his name was mentioned, I'd be bitter. Now it's just like, it's like, oh, I don't even think about it. I just happen to think of it right now. But... um yeah. Okay, well, let's go on here. I, the Lord, so the Lord has said, I, the Lord, will forgive whom I for, will forgive, but for of you is required to forgive all men. He does not ask us to do it without his help. I just underlined just that part. Yeah. I'd have friends who'd say, oh, I hold a grudge, and they'd bra- brag about it. This is like middle school. And I, as I've gotten older, I've realized it's easier not to hold a grudge it's easier just to move on and forget about it. And I think that's been a blessing. What's really hard is when other people don't forget about it. I've Sometimes I've, I think I've offended people and I've not even realized it until yeah. later. Yep. Please know that forgiving someone does not mean that you put yourself in a position where you continue. You will continue to be hurt. When I read this, I thought of, and I'm going to quote from a different talk. This is by Elder Jeffrey R. Holland. I believe it was October 2018. I didn't write that down in my notes here. And you might remember this. It's called The Ministry of Reconciliation. He did not, note what he did not say. You are not allowed to feel true pain or real sorrow from the shattering experiences you have had at the hand of another Nor did he say, in order to forgive fully, you have to re-enter a toxic relationship or return to an abusive, destructive circumstance. I remember this had an impact on me that I was in Elders Quorum uh, several years ago and someone, whoever was teaching, gave, was talking about forgiveness and gave the example that we had a family and someone raped uh, one of our children and then asked, what's the Christ-like thing to do? Do we allow that person into our house? And there was a big discussion about what true Christ-like forgiveness is. Do you truly forgive him and allow him into your home? And, you know, it, it, it kind of surprised me that it wasn't just obvious, but they were just, you know, trying to talk about being Christ-like, but but Christ-like also means that it's it's good that it's it says it in here that you don't allow yourself to be hurt again. 
Well, I think that's why someone, you can forgive someone, but the marriage ends. Like in a marriage relationship, you can completely forgive them and not hold any grudge. But it's like, I've got to leave this relationship because God will be able to forgive you and forget it no more. But I am a human. You know, if, if it's been something that kept going on and on and on, then you even if they completely stopped, you as the other person might be expecting the other shoe to drop. That's human nature. And so I think in those cases, it is Christ-like. You know, you have to end the relationship. You need to get the divorce. Or in this case, if someone did that to your child, you have to stay away from them. Yeah. Because God forgives, forgives and remembers the sin no more, but you are human and you need to stay away. Yeah, and who's to say, uh, you know, how long it's going to take them to fully be able to change, and so. Yes, and once we're perfected, that'd be great. Yeah. She has her own experience with her father. Um, She grew up in a home, she says she didn't always feel safe because of emotional and verbal mistreatment. In her youth and her adult years, she represented her father and had anger in her heart that hurt. I'm going to read this one directly. I came to realize in a profound way that the same son of God who atoned for my sins is the same redeemer who will also save those who have deeply hurt me. I could not truly believe the first truth without believing the second. And I, she also says, my heart was no longer on the war path. I love that because when you're so angry or you're just like, oh, I want to just yeah. let everyone know how angry I am. You yeah. see a lot of that on social media, especially yeah. these these little TikToks where somebody decides to get on there and just say, you know, this this church is so toxic because blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it may not be the church, but whatever they're angry about. Yeah. Christ teaches that in the in the Book of Mormon, that, that, that contention... The anger, it's the heart of destruction among people. When you allow that in and to take over, you can see people that that's their motivating factor. And they, they're they very mean. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you let Christ in and you have a new heart, that's that can be washed away. Now, she says that her earthly father also had a miraculous change of heart in recent years and has turned to the Lord. She didn't expect it to happen, and she's been able to forgive him. And this made me think of a movie called I Can Only Imagine. Mm. If you've heard of that song, I Can Only Imagine. Yeah, It's based on the guy who wrote that song. He's from a, a Christian band called Mercy Me. And he had almost like a same kind of thing with his father. His father was very emotionally, verbally abusive. And something happened. I think um, he would go to church or something. He started listening to the church on the radio when he was gone. And he came back and his father had changed. He got cancer too. Oh, yes, he got cancer. I think that's probably a big thing. And he said... He said, I never thought my father would change. And it's a really great movie. Yeah, you need to watch the movie. Dennis Quaid plays the father. If you like Dennis Quaid, he's pretty cool. I like him. But but that song came about because of the relationship between he and his father and, and, and just his working through that, all the anger and the disappointment of his father and... 
figuring out how to love Jesus Christ and forgive his father. That song was the first time I heard a Christian song that made me feel the spirit, like a contemporary Christian song. Because when I was in high school, there was sometimes after church, I would turn on the, be waiting for my parents out in the car, and there was a Christian rock station. And I never felt the spirit. It always just felt too, like, entertainment. Like, Mm. it was for, I didn't feel anything. And it was just like, yes, I don't like this Christian rock stuff. Well, that song crossed over onto country and pop, and I would hear it all the time. And it was weird because every time, usually you hear a song you like, and you get, and if they overplay it, you get sick of it. Yeah. I never really got sick of that no, song. That's the song you listen to. I was times. like, I was like, I love this song because that's exactly how I feel. It's like, yeah. I can only imagine what would I do yeah. if I was there? Yeah. Would I. I sometimes imagine you'll p- pick people who like in the the scriptures who kiss Jesus' feet, who who wipe their you know bathing his feet with their tears and, the, and wash mm-hmm. it with the hair. I I imagine like would I? Because I mean in real life I can't imagine ever doing that for anyone. Yeah, I couldn't. I'm like I just don't see it ever happening. There's nobody I love that much. Yeah. No offense, Derek, that I would kiss your feet. <laughs> Like, and I and I wonder about this nuts because I'm like I love Heavenly Father so much and I'm so grateful. Would I have the humility to be able to fall down and kiss His feet? Okay, to all within our influence, we can offer kindness for cruelty, love for hate, gentleness for abrasiveness, safety for distress, and peace for contention. And that's a beautiful quote that she gives. Yeah. To give what you have been denied is a powerful part of divine healing possible through the faith through faith in Jesus Christ. To live in such a way that you give, as Isaiah has said, beauty for the ashes of your life, as an act of faith that follows the supreme example of the of a Savior who suffered all, that he might succor all. When you when you think of beauty for ashes, it's a that's a an amazing phrase. Most of us have had ashes, some type of ashes in our life, something that's burned down. Uh, someone's passed away. We lost someone. We've had a rough experience. But if you will hold on to your testimony and. Uh, work through that trial the the beauty that you can gain after that experience not that that pain ever fully goes away but there are lessons from those trials and beauty for ashes is is a wonderful way of saying that yeah this is the church of jesus christ and we're trying to uh, learn of him focus on him become more like him in all that we do and with that we'll end and as we always do and remind you to follow the prophet